your goal is to create happy customers who then create other happy customers. Go! Congratulations! Here's what I've learned. The best of the best have got the problem. We're selling, going, going. God, so congratulations. Let's have a look at the facts. Watch your goal for the next six months. These are the seven things. And I'm going to start off with the first one. And the first one I'm going to talk to you is about is, I am, I'm, I'm pissed off that I always struggled having an ideal week. I actually think that ideal weeks are totally overrated. And what I mean by totally overrated is this. I think that when you create an ideal week, that resembles a prison. How inspiring is it going to be if you have this ideal week where it says, you know, from seven to nine o'clock, you will do this. From nine o'clock to 10 o'clock, you will do this. From 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock, you will do this. From 12 o'clock to four o'clock, you will do this. From four o'clock to six o'clock. It's overwhelming, it's draining. And I'm gonna tell you that the real secret is to create an ideal week, to build a magnificent day. And what we mean by building a magnificent day is not a day sitting in Tahiti on the beach by the sun. What I'm talking about is having the right ratio of what I call responsibility and reward. Or better way to say it is a right ratio of things that need to be done versus things that you like to get done. And what actually happens is when you create this ideal week that you actually cannot satisfy those requirements and you don't comply and it doesn't have sustainability, you begin to feel very guilty. And when you feel very guilty, you feel like a loser and losers don't do well in business. So what a real great thing to do is, my friends, is to actually learn to create an ideal week and an ideal day to have a magnificent day and a magnificent week. And that means that you are gonna have the right ratio of things that inspire you, but things that need to get done. So that is the first rule I wish, because there's too many people that are saying have this rigid, structured, ideal week. And by the way, can I tell you, my experience is hardly anyone sticks to this perfect ideal week. But let's assume that you've got this week now. Let's assume you've got this week that you've designed that helps you build a magnificent life. And you've got things in there, the things that are important. Let's assume that you've got your, your business development time allocated there. And then you've also got time for you to have a massage. And then you've also got time for you to be doing sales presentations. And then you've also got time for you to do doing exercise. It doesn't look, you know, um, as if it's something that resembles Long Bay Jail, and all of a sudden, you begin to look forward to it. And you have to understand, you have total design of your life. You've got to understand that. And you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to have a life of accidents or a life by design? So that, to me, is very important. I'm going to also talk to you about the second thing that I think I actually got wrong, and that is I never addressed problems when they were small. I never addressed problems where they were small. A perfect example would be, I can't tell you the amount of times I would run out of petrol when I was in my 20s. I mean, I could tell there wasn't much fuel left. And what would happen is I would keep driving and driving and driving, then I would run out of fuel. So what's the rule here? The rule is, act when a problem is small and fixable. 
Because if you don't, it becomes a big fucking problem later. This can also apply to things like your health, right? Like I know, you know, you, 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 you know, particularly if there's some of the girls here, look, if you feel a small lump, right? What I suggest you do is actually address it because at that point, when it's small, even if it is bad news, at stage one, it's fixable. At stage three, stage four, it's not fixable. So what I'm getting to you is understand, fix things early. Here's other examples. I'm just trying to think of examples like weights. Weights a good example. Like if you're hovering around, you know, 80 kilos and all of a sudden you notice that you've hit 82, 83. Trust me, it's a lot easier getting your weight in check going from 83 back to 80 and not actually addressing the problem when you've hit 110 kilos. There's another example. I mean, I know this sounds like very common sense. But it is the sort of stuff that I think on a day-to-day basis, it might seem like it's common sense, but I don't think it is that common. Uh, Things for me that I can remember is um, um, uh, my properties, like properties in the past where I ignore little issues, like you can see a little bit of water coming down and leaving marks. But what you do is you don't address it and you think, no, 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 fuck it, fuck it. I'll just leave it, I'll just leave it. Next thing you know is you have your property manager ringing you up telling you that the ceiling has caved in, that there's damage to the tenant's furniture, that they've got to move out, you've got to compensate the tenant. The point I'm making is this, guys and girls, it's an important rule in life. Catch problems when they're small. Let me move on to the third rule. The third rule is this, and that is stop, stop listening to loser friends. I wish I'd picked this up earlier in my life. Stop listening to loser friends. I'll tell you why. Because I had a group of friends very, very young in my age. And you know what we used to do? We used to, you know, end up not going off to our lectures or taking time off work or taking time off school and we'd go in and we would have a joint and we would chill. And you know what? I would think to myself, you know what? I'm feeling, you know, a little bit guilty here. I shouldn't be sort of, you know, having this. And then what would happen is you pig out on shit food and people would say, hey, man, it's all good. Just chill. No, it's not chill. I like it better when I've got a friend that says, no, Tom, it's not all right. You're in a fucking mess. You should be at fucking work, but you're fucking stoned. You fucking should be 80 kilos, but because you're fucking always stoned and you're eating shit food, you're fucking 100 kilos. No, Tom, it's not all right at all. Your brain cells are being killed. What you want is to stop listening to loser friends or these new age people that are saying, it's all good. You've got nothing to worry about. No, I want someone to say to me, Tom, you're in a mess, but I've got good news. You can actually change it. And you know what? Think about how great things are if you actually just change three or four things in your life. That's inspiring, my friends. Okay, let's move on. By the way, if you're enjoying this rant 
and you actually think your kids should be listening to it, I'm going to try and you know reduce the amount of F words I use this because I have to tell you, very rarely do I get emotional. Very rarely do I get emotional. But the, I think it was about two or three days ago, I was walking around the Bay Run and I had a guy, he would have been about 19 or 20 years of age. And this 19 or 20 year of age guy, I mean, I'm always running around and I've got my iPods on, those white things. You know, you probably see me doing the Bay Run and I've got them on. And I saw a guy look at me and sort of, you know, said, have you got a moment? And I took him off and I started speaking to him and he said, listen, um, I'm not a real estate agent, um, but, and I could see the guy was nervous and he wanted to say something to me and, and he went on to say, Tom, um, I just have to tell you that like about a year ago, some person shared on Facebook this thing that you do, a Sunday night rant. And, um, you know, I listened to it. I've never, ever been exposed to sort of motivation or stuff to about self-improvement. And I just had to listen to what you were saying. And I just want to say thank you. I really want to do And it was like he had a tear in his eye. He said, I want to let you know that I hadn't spoke to my brother and my mother for a couple of years. I'd left home. My work was a mess. And just by sitting there and watching your video each week, I just started with some small little micro habits, some small little micro wins. And I just want to let you know that my life is so much better. And I just want to thank you. I've got to tell you, if I can, like, uh, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I realize what I do, I speak at seminars and I think to myself, even if 99% of people hate you, if you speak to 13,000 people, you know, there's going to be a small group of people that are actually going to get stuff out of you. But to actually see this guy, this, this, this 20 year old guy who just had a tear in his eye with a genuine thanks, that means a lot to me. That means a lot to me. So guys and girls, if you think that anything I'm saying here is of any use or help to you or people close to you, press share that, the, that button. I'm telling you, I'm in the business of making a, a, a difference, right? More than making a dollar. So gang, um, what's my message there? I'm getting in a metal cul-de-sac and I can't get out because I am fucking emotional about it, thinking about that guy. Um, what it is, is this. What I'm getting at is that sometimes you do need a person to actually say to you, no, don't chill out. Don't chill out. No, don't relax. I'm actually telling you, things aren't good. You are off track. You are a lot better than what you've shown so far. I'm recommending that you immediately cease taking fucking drugs. I'm recommending you that you look to change your circle of friends. I'm recommending you that you actually get serious about becoming super good at your job, enrolling some sort of course, a personal development course that's going to make you better. 
I'm recommending to you that what you should do is bloody embark on swatch swapping, watching three hours of television and maybe replacing it with one hour of audio books and maybe one hour of exercise and maybe one hour of finding a group of people that are going to think like the person you want to be. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. And the next one is, this is my next rule. I wish I'd learned earlier on and I, you know, now a lot better at it. And that is stop talking to people who are not listening. Stop talking to people who are not listening. And what I mean by that is when you speak to people that are not listening, your message is devalued. If they don't appreciate it, don't worry about it. Because if you worry about it, what's actually happening is you are devaluing your worth. My advice to you is in business, if you're a real estate agent right now and you have a vendor that you've had on your books and they won't listen to what you're saying, maybe what you should do is actually gracefully terminate that relationship because there's an opportunity cost. And that opportunity cost is actually, it means that spending time with people who won't listen to you takes you away from meeting people who will listen to you. This is very common. And thank you so much for everyone that just pressed that share button. It comes up. Thank you so much. So gang, I'm saying to you, understand that what you want to do is ensure that you have people that value what you say and then go off looking for other people that want to hear what you say. Let's move on to the next one. And the next one is, um, purpose. I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about, I was listening to a football player who had a broken finger and played through a grand final three years ago. And they had no idea that he'd actually broken one. He had broken these two fingers. And what he said, they said, how courageous was it? And he said, I didn't think it was courageous. I actually couldn't really feel it. I was so pumped up about winning. My purpose was to win this grand final. And that made me realize, you see, when you have a purpose bigger than your pain, life is much easier. And the reason why is when you have a super strong purpose, when you have a super strong purpose, you have what I call endorphins. You have this chemical reaction going into your body. And what actually happens is that it actually medicates you from pain. So the real gig in life is to actually find this purpose that is so big that it's absolutely stronger than the hurdles and the pain that you've got to go through. I mean, there's plenty of experiments that they've had. I mean, they do experiments with rats, right? They do experiments with rats. And what they do is they get, you know, a rat by itself. No other rats in a cage. And all they do is actually put... Um, cocaine in it. And what actually happens is because it has no actual um, other rats with it, it has no purpose, it has nothing else to do, these rats become addicted to cocaine and they cannot operate without cocaine. And then what actually happens is you take this rat away and you put it in a cage with other rats. Slowly, it actually starts interacting with other rats 
and it stops worrying about cocaine. Why this is important, guys and girls, is this is basically saying to you is that if you actually don't have people around you, if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have reasons to be getting out of bed, chances are that you end up fucking having a fucking pretty fucked up situation, right? So understand that. Understand the importance of purpose. It has got a chemical reaction to help you numb away anxiety. Number six, number six, I want to talk to you about this, and that is, I wish I learned, um, do not do things you hate. Do not do things you hate. And what I mean by this is, if something drains you and you dislike it so much, what I'm saying is, find something else that can have a similar result, but something that you don't mind and you have a higher tendency to comply with it. And this is very important in the success of business, and that is compliance. And that's why I hate it when I hear, you know, educators, coaches, trainers that say, this is the one way, the only way, that is bullshit. My advice to you is your way is the only way. And how do you become your way? You become the subject and the scientist. And what you do is you try things until you work out something that is your mojo, something that feels acceptable to you to do on a regular basis. Don't listen to the bullshit people that are saying this is the only way. I'm telling you straight, and I can speak from evidence because I've been working in this business for 30 years, and I can tell you straight, there is no one way, there is just your way, and it's the way that you stick to. That's what really matters. So guys, I'm gonna tell you again, do not do things you hate. Do not do things you hate. And for instance, in business, it could be the way you prospect. like. If you don't like door knocking, don't feel guilty about not doing door knocking. If you prefer using talking to people on the phone, do the phone. If you prefer to be a person that likes to break bread with a lot of people in the community, do your thing. If you prefer to be shooting a lot of videos and actually amplifying your message by becoming what I call the digital salesperson, do that thing. But don't do things you hate. I also want to finish off and let you know that um, I wish I'd learnt that there is a thing called secondary payoffs. And secondary payoffs, hello Stevie Georgiakis. Steve Georgiakis, I was going to meet Steve Georgiakis at the great uh, Cafe Bar Italia at uh, 9 o'clock tonight uh, for a quick meal. But um, I'm feeling, guys, I, girls, I'm letting you know I've had a major, and there is Con Mythos Damaris. He is the owner of Bar Italia. Mate, guys, gelato pizzas I've had there. I've had the steak there. I've had the, uh, I've had the uh, uh, Bar Italia salad there. Um, um, what else have I had at Bar Italia? Um, yeah, and I've got to say, Mr. Damaris, you should put your prices up. They're too cheap. Anyway, let's move on. Um, 
I want to talk to you about secondary payoffs, secondary payoffs. And secondary payoffs, my friend, are things that even though you know that these things are wrong for you, there's some reason, there's some reason that you keep doing it. And I want to give you an example. Heroin users. How bizarre is this? Heroin users said one of the things that kept them, they knew it was bad for them. They knew their teeth was rotting. They knew they had lost their family. They had lost their job. They knew that they were an absolute mess in every area of their life, physically, mentally. But one of the things, apart from the physical addiction, when they were taken off drugs, they said that they missed was being part of a group that was accepted. How interesting is that? The fact that they were able to be to fit in and be accepted by a group, the group that were shooting heroin together, the people that hung around, the people that made them feel normal. I'm going to say to you, behind every bad thing is what I call a secondary payoff. Cigarette smokers, what is that payoff? The fact that they're able to take a break from their work, go downstairs and have in many ways, like a 10 minute meditation. That's what they're doing. They're having, it's a social sort of thing. So gang, I want you to know that when you're able to understand, to identify what I call secondary payoffs, it helps you in the habit creation. It helps you understand that if you are gonna go through a change program, that you are going to have to have a goal, yes, to change. You are also going to have to have a reference group, a group of people to help you in that change. You're simply going to have to leave that house with the other 10 junkies and move into a house that doesn't have 10 junkies, but you can actually fit in there. You're going to need that group, that reference group. And of course, you're going to need to be in what I call an environment where it structurally makes it hard for you to fail. And what do I mean by that? If you don't want to slip, don't hang around slippery spots. Hey, if you're a person that, you know, has got to get off the booze, it sort of makes sense that you're not playing bingo at Wednesday nights at the Marlboro Hotel, right? Think about that. If you know that the right thing for you is not to be doing coke or ease, it makes sense. You shouldn't be out at 2 a.m. You should actually be asleep so you can be part of the 5 a.m. club nice and early because what you'll be doing is hanging around with other people that are running around the Bay Run because they've just woken up and not coming home at that time. So guys and girls, there's seven things that I think I wish I'd known these earlier on in my life. I want to let you know to the real estate gym members that are on here, we are about to announce the app that is coming. So it is going to be in many ways a little bit like the Netflix of um, coaching apps that's coming. No extra. It's part of your membership. I'm also letting you know, in addition to that, we're going to be announcing live dates for real estate gym members 
only real estate gym members where we're going to be face-to-face to having script schools, dialogues. We want to actually give you even more value. And in addition to that, the other thing that we're doing is been working away on the success journal that's going to be available in the next three to four weeks. Guys and girls, as usual, I want to thank you so much for the biggest thing that you can give Tom Panos, and that is your attention. God bless. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in, guys and girls. You can join me on Facebook for the live Sunday night rant every week. And if you're in real estate, just Google Tom Panos and you'll find a heap of resources and interviews where million-dollar agents share their strategies. See you next week. Let's have a look at the facts. What's your goal?